On this episode of DLN Extend, we discuss Linux and the season of giving. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 88 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community, from places like the DLN Discourse Forums, Telegram Group, Discord Server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network to give our takes. With me today is Wendy, the tinsel on the tree of photography, bright, shiny, and makes things pop on the Destination Linux Network. And Matt, who's the Max the dog to the Grinch of gaming, faithfully enabling whether or not it is a good idea. So Wendy, how are you? I am doing pretty good this week. How are you? Not bad. You know, I was really excited that uh, Matt had a stream, his 24-hour stream, raising money for St. Jude. He got to his $1,000 goal, thanks to Brandon, kind of pushing over the edge. But I thought it was a really good time. I know you were on there for quite a bit of it. Life kind of kept you from being there for a lot of it, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, what I got to be a part of. I was there when he first got started, and then I popped in and out out during the rest of that 24 hours, not necessarily at night because I was asleep. And then you guys, so mean, go to play a round or I don't know how many rounds you got to play of Among Us and I couldn't stay for that. We had our last week of Tuesday co-op for this semester, couldn't put that off and had to go. So we all have to get together and play Among Us again sometime when I can join in because I was very, very saddened in not getting to play. Yeah, well, Matt didn't play Among Us. It was myself, Maru, and uh, Neil, Eris. We all played some Among Us. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, Among Us is just a fun game. They've changed a lot since I last played, which was October. So there's been some updates that have come down. Thankfully, it still works smashingly well in Linux. None of the updates have broken it, which always worries me. And it was lots of fun. I always, always seem to enjoy Among Us. I do find that game a lot of fun. We have played a little bit since the last major update, and it introduced so many really cool things. I didn't figure Matt was playing... For one, he seems to be very anti (laughs) Among Us. And then on top of that, after sitting at his computer for virtually 24 hours, I could see why he'd be like, no, I'm out. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Catch you later. Yeah, that was probably a good choice. (laughs) Matt did really a good job, though. He hung in there 24 hours. I mean, there's no way I could do that. That's a real man's sport right there. There's no (laughs) 24-hour streaming for me. That's not going to happen anytime ever. Yeah, I don't think so for me either. It's more, though, that my family would revolt, at least until we get Starlink Mm. or something like that, because when we're doing any sort of streaming, I shut down the internet to the rest of the house. Nobody gets internet access, period. And speaking about that, I've actually been doing some work on my router lately. I currently have a Synology RT2600AC. I've had this one now for goodness sakes, going on almost two years. Yeah, because Hardoradics has been going on for almost two years. And one of the things I love about this Synology router is the software that comes on it. One of the applications you can use is called Safe Access. We've had some device switch over in the time since I originally set up the Safe Access. And in Network Center, Traffic Control, I can name the device's names that makes it easy for me to understand what it is. So Mm. any of the kids' devices have their name associated with them, and this is their tablet, that's their laptop. My daughter is currently using 
two laptops at the moment. Her main one, her main Lenovo laptop that she does gaming on most of her schoolwork on. And then she's currently been playing with one of the laptops that came from Bill. Those donated laptops since the goal this coming semester for spring semester is for her and I to co-teach a class. I will be providing the hardware and she will be teaching an art class using these laptops and Krita. She's building up what she wants to do, really getting to know the hardware before we go into that class starting most likely February. Well, that's very cool. That's neat that you can be co-teaching. It should be a really, really fun class for me. There won't be any prep work for me. I just need to make sure that the hardware (laughs) gets there and it's charged and ready to go. That'll pretty much be my only job and then help with any technical issues that come up during the class, which there really weren't many or any at all last semester. So it should be pretty easy on me. But every device that she uses, I have associated to her. And then if I go into the safe access panel, I can then lump stuff together. So I've got a profile for each kid. I've got a profile for me and my husband and then additional profiles. So the stuff that is entertainment, the stuff that everybody uses, kind of thing that don't really go to just one person. And then each of the kids' devices, I have it set so the internet to those devices goes off at a certain time. It's only off from 8 p.m. until 6 a.m. Really, most of the day it's on. It's just enough that it's not using data during those times because it doesn't need to be. Shuts down some of those options during nighttime when they're supposed to be sleeping. And there is one device that I cannot seem to track down exactly what it is. So right now it's listed on the system as unknown device. It seems to only be connected when my husband's home. And I need to, when he gets home tonight, I just didn't have time yesterday. But when he gets home tonight, go back through all of his devices because I've been using the MAC address on them to see which device is what. And I'm pretty sure I have his work laptop labeled correctly, his regular phone, his work phone, his work tablet. I'm pretty sure all those are labeled directly. So I can't figure out what this is, but it's only connected when he's home. So it's got to be something that he's packing back and forth with him to work. It's driving me nuts. It's driving me absolutely nuts not knowing what it was. And I'd made the connection last night when I was editing the show. But at that time, the entire rest of the house was asleep. He was asleep. My office is also our bedroom. So it's not like I could start digging through the bags and turning stuff on and looking at Mac addresses, trying to figure out what it was without waking him up. So now I just have to wait until tonight while he gets back home and it reattaches to the gosh dang network and I can figure out what is this unknown device that's driving me nuts. Other than that, everything else that's connected is listed. That's very cool. I have done something very similar as you as far as managing the names of everything. I do have some unknown devices. I'm pretty sure they're either like Android tablets or old phones that my son has acquired and just got working-ish again. Yeah. I have a few blank entries, but otherwise everything is very well labeled. Also, you know, with all my home assistant devices, uh, I have a lot of things on my network. I think it's telling me <laughs> IP Fire gives me like some nice summaries. And so I have 105 clients on my network at this time. Woo! Yeah, I don't have anywhere near that. Yeah, that's a lot. Probably a little too much. 
So like my standing desk lights have their own IP address. Not that it matters, but you know, if someone can hack into my system, it's 192.168.10.167 <laughs> and that will access my standing desk lights. So what I'm doing is I am moving some stuff around though, because I have those in the DHCP range and I'm going to move those into a static range. I only have a, assigned a certain area for dynamic and I have another area for static. I have to figure out how to do like multiple, like the third octet, like the dot 10. I want to add like a dot 11 or whatever for all my smart home stuff, like just the devices. Oh but yeah. Every time I mess with that, trying to change like the net mask, it doesn't seem to work and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So I apparently need to go to school and figure out by school, I mean, probably talk to people in the Destination Linux network about how to properly configure this, make it work better. But ultimately, I want to move all my smart home stuff to its own range entirely. So it's not intermixed with the uh, devices because it does make it a little bit difficult when you want to scan down the list. What's what? If you can get connected with sudo reboot, he seems to really be amazing when it comes to that network style stuff. He'll show things on his channel that I'm like, oh my goodness, you've now reached way over my head. You lost me back here. And so he would be an amazing brain to pick when it comes to setting up some of that stuff if he's got time. Yeah, for sure. I usually miss his streams. They're ending about the time I'm getting up or finishing my workout or whatever. But I, I've caught a few of his streams. Next time he's live streaming, I, I could send him a message. Maybe I can connect with him. But that'd be great. We're not jumping off too far from tech at this point. You've got another job for your Raspberry Pi or is this a continuing job for this Raspberry Pi? It's a little bit of both. So I had talked previously about the Pi Amiga. It's a very cool project to turn your Pi 4 or Pi 400 into an Amiga-like machine. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty darn close. I mean, the original hardware wasn't perfect, so, you know, you have to give it a little bit of a break. But what's neat about this, the creator, Chris Edwards, Pi Amiga version 2 came out. I've been helping him a little bit with some of the onboarding, make it a little bit simpler. It's still a work in progress, but if you go to pymega.com or pymega.org, you'll take it to the same page. You can run through the steps to actually get it set up for your Pi or Pi 400. It is a torrent, and I am seeding that torrent right now. It's a great project, a great thing to do like a Pi 4 400. If you like vintage computing and you want to maybe get into it a little bit, this is like a nice way to dip your toes in it with a very low commitment or almost no commitment if you already have a Pi. See how we lived on the Amiga in the 90s. The operating system is Scalos, which is a re-implementation of Workbench, which is the Amiga Workbench, but it's also not encumbered with the copyright issues and redistribution issues. Scalos is an open source desktop for the Amiga. I think you can use it on any Amiga, if I remember correctly, but it looks a little bit nicer. You know, has more color available to it and everything else. But essentially, it's going to be one of the fastest Amigas you could possibly have. I was playing Lemmings for the Amiga, actually a Christmas Lemmings for the Amiga with my oldest, and he thought that was just so much fun to do. And truly, I had a ton of fun playing it and I'm probably going to do some more like with the other kids too. It's only two player at once. So the Pi 400 is a very powerful little computer and it's kind of reminiscent of the computers from 80s and 90s when you had everything inside a keyboard. Kind of like the computer I'm using right now actually, but much you know thinner and smaller. It's also, it's a good learning tool for kids as well. So if you don't want to be doing emulating of the Pi, get another SD card and then you can do, or I should say the Amiga on the Pi, get another SD card and you can do whatever else you want with it. In fact, I have an image for running OpenSUSE, no surprise, and it also runs quite well and I do enjoy it very much. If you are interested in dipping your toes in vintage technology from the 80s and 90s, you can check out PyMiga at PyMiga.com. You can run through the whole process of getting it installed from there and having some fun. It doesn't supply its own ROMs. You have to buy the ROM, so there is that expense too. On the Android store, I think you can download it for like a buck 99 or something like that. It's really pretty cheap to buy the appropriate ROM. Yeah, that's not bad at all. This sounds like a really cool project. It's one I would love to get started on, but at this point, I only have one Raspberry Pi and I'm not even allowed to touch it yet. 
And when I do <laughs> that one, I already know what job it's going to do. It's going to become a pie hole on our network. Oh, that'll be beautiful. A beautiful, beautiful project to do with a pie. Yes. I highly recommend that as a thing to have your network. You will see improvements in the general performance of your network. You actually will be pretty amazed. I know I am. When I go somewhere else and use the internet, I'm like, wow, why is it so much slower? Not on my slow network. <laughs> I honestly can't wait. So one of the things that I can do with my router is I can see the live traffic. And then on Monday, I went ahead and told it to start recording the traffic so I can see how much data is being used and what times and all of that information. So from now or Monday until... Christmas or after Christmas when it goes up, I want to see the changes that happen once that pie hole goes up and have hard data to look at from it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it'd be really good then to share, especially in the, in the community, you can show some differences on the forum. Yeah, absolutely. Discourse.destinationlinuxnetwork.com. This episode of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup, too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app on their app platform for free. And it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. I truly feel like Linux is really the perfect operating system for this time of year, as it is the season of giving. I mean, Matt just did his charity event, which reached his $1,000 goal to donate to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And it all just seems to just really go together for me. I mean, I even make OpenSUSE Christmas cookies, because what says Christmas better than OpenSUSE? Maybe not everybody agrees with that, but I certainly do. Are they green? <laughs> is it more like Grinchish than Christmassy-ish? Or how do you make them a little more Christmassy? Well, they're white sugar cookies, but then I put, especially my daughter, she loves to decorate them with like frosting. For her, they're all green and pink. She likes to the accent colors in pink on top of the green. I think it looks really good. And they're quite delicious if you like sugar cookies. Although I can only have maybe one or two before I start to get a little bit not feeling so well. People like them. Kids like them. At co-op, I made a lot of cookies for the kids to decorate. And I'd say probably a dozen or so of those were OpenSUSE cookies. And the kids loved them. Didn't know what they were. But, you know, the OpenSUSE logo along with Christmas trees, snowmen, and Santa Claus, it all seemed to go together well for them. And they were excited. And did some really amazing <laughs> decorating on all of it. Made a giant mess, but it was fun. Most fun is. Yes. With that, I think also this is a good time of year to think about donating to your favorite Linux project out there. Once a year about this time, I do donate to different things that I use regularly. Like there's the KDE project for me. I do give them a little bit of money. LibreOffice. I use LibreOffice all the time for my home education. So I do like to kick out some funds to them as well. 
Really, I find these projects are very important for my day-to-day life. I can't overemphasize how much Linux has enabled me to do a lot of things in my life that would not have been possible otherwise. In fact, I don't know how much of my life could go on as it is without Linux and open source tools. I mean, I don't know about you, Wendy, but there's not a day that goes by that an open source tool, and I don't mean just the operating system, you know, that's a gimme. You can do a lot of those on Windows, I suppose, or Mac, I guess, but they're not as much fun. There's not a day that goes by that I don't use one of these open source tools, even if it's Firefox for browsing, doing banking, organizing things, notes and whatnot, connecting with people, numerous other things too. My recipes are all stored in GNOME Recipes, which is a great application. You should check it out. If you want a local place to store your recipes, GNOME Recipes is great. Copy a lot of things in there all the time. Some of the automatic equation thing is a little bit ropey, but no, I just don't use that. I really need to find a way to store things digitally. And I think we've talked about this before. I currently have a tab inside Firefox that is my recipes folder. And then inside that folder, I've got it separated out between dessert. Is it for lunch or dinner? Is it a breakfast style thing? Whatever. That's kind of how things are separated. But it would be really, really nice to have that pulled off site, named a little different, easier to find. So I might have to dive into that. Now you are a Plasma user, but you're using GNOME recipes. How much extra GNOME stuff had to come down with that? Or is it pretty simple, just the application? It was just the application for me. If you're running many other applications, Pulse Effects for one that I use, that pulls down pretty much all the core GTK libraries you need. And I'm sure there's probably a flat pack you could install if you're concerned about any other packages. That might be a good way to go. Then it's all self-contained. And it's a very small application, really. Not too bad. I might have to check it out. It looks good too. It also works really great with the touchscreen interface that I have in my kitchen. I don't know if you have one that's touchscreen. If my fingers are dirty, I just use my knuckles and I tap into the screen to get to like the next page or scroll up and down on it. It works great. It's really a well done application. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. I do not have a touchscreen in my kitchen, but that is one thing that I've been wishing for in all the one. We were talking here a few weeks about how I do love my kitchen system, but I might have to install a second kitchen system so that I've got the one I'm currently using and then another one that's got an all-in-one touchscreen interface. Computers everywhere. Who doesn't need computers everywhere? Speaking of donating to Linux projects that you love, remember it does not have to be in monetary value for donations. I know a lot of people are really struggling this year with having funds and just being able to afford Christmas. I know it's a really big issue in my area right now. So you can always donate time by helping with the project and it doesn't necessarily have to be with coding. Sometimes that's just filing bugs that you know that exist. It could be helping with documentation. There's so many other ways to help out projects that you love and you use every day that doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of money. Giving your time is a fantastic option too. And it is because of all of these fantastic projects that are out there that we can give life to old hardware. One project that has been so fantastic to me this year has been these donated computers and seeing the kids grow and develop with them, seeing my daughter get excited about teaching a class with them and all of the different options and all of the different things that this hardware is going to do. So while it's not necessarily of the season when this got started, it is definitely one of those things that brightens up my year. It was great to have the kids and other family members sign some thank you cards. They're sitting on my desk. I need to get them out the door in the mail to those who had donated those computers. 
It is a major part of our community and it is one of the wonderful ways that we can give back to others, especially this time of year, is you can take an old laptop that if it was somebody's Windows system may not function very good anymore, especially if you're looking at Windows 10 or Windows 11, these two versions that are currently getting the most support or really any support at this point. 7 and 8 are both no longer supported from what I understand. It's Windows 10 and 11 now. And both of those you needed better or upgraded hardware in order to get them to work. And Windows 11, for sure, they are more picky about the hardware in which it can go on. So then you can buy, or if you already have one, these laptops that wouldn't work for a Linux machine give it to a child or family with Linux on it so they have a computer where they may not be able to buy a newer one with Linux. And as far as which distribution you use, your call. I have my preferences. <laughs> I know you have your yes. preferences. <laughs> may not be the best idea. Well, but... it really depends on the person, right? That's true. Because I handed my dad a laptop with elementary on it. Is elementary one that I would run for myself? No, it's not a good fit for me, but it was an excellent fit for him. So that is one thing that I try to keep in mind when I'm handing somebody a piece of hardware with Linux on it. It doesn't have to be what's just right for me. It has to be what's just right for them. And for my dad, that was elementary all the way, the way that they have it set up. It looks so clean. It's easy for him to see what's happening, what he needs to do. He can maintain it himself. Elementary was perfect. And that might be the distro that I hand to somebody else when I'm handing it over, or it might be Ubuntu. It might even be Manjaro. It really just depends on the person, the piece of hardware, and where they are on their own technical journey. For sure. And also probably how close of contact you are with them on a regular basis. Like if it's someone who's farther away and you can't hold their hand as much, you might want something a little simpler, more graphic user interface based as opposed to something that is terminal based. Absolutely. Unless you use something like a team viewer or some sort of desktop sharing application that you can help them out pretty much anytime. I've done that in the past with my in-laws and I just don't really like team viewer in general. For one, I don't like it having running on my system. I wouldn't leave it running all the time on theirs, right? So then in talking to them, I'd have to have them open it up, grant me access, you know, doing all of that stuff. Uh, that can be a really big pain. I hate doing tech support over the phone. All of you out there who do tech support over the phone, I commend you. I'm one of those people that need to do it <laughs> physically in order to remember how to do it. So walking somebody through it, if I'm going to, it has to match my system so I can do it as I'm talking them through it. That's just the way my brain works. That's just the way my recall function works. You all are amazing who can do tech support over the phone. Yeah, I'm the same. I can't do it over the phone. Or sometimes someone will ask me questions over text and it's really tedious and it takes a long time. But I've gotten through it a few times and it's not always been Linux. Actually, I kind of like saying, ah, I don't really know how to use Windows. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's an easy out there. Yeah. Actually, I like to say, you know, Windows is too hard for me to use. Yes. I know sometimes <laughs> my husband will ask how to get to things or how to do stuff. And he's like, don't show me, just tell me. And I'm like, I can't tell you without showing you because I have to do it to remember how to do it. Right. Watch. Exactly. Beyond just old hardware, I really see Linux gives a better life to new hardware as well. It's no secret and it's not really a disputed fact that Linux does put less stress on hardware. I'd like to personally think that you give Linux to some new hardware. Like I, I know I bought all these components this year to build this computer that I have now and it was actually new. I'm not stressing it as much. Well, maybe by everything I force it to do, I suppose I'm stressing it, but not all the time. I'm not 
compressing the hardware as much, which means it runs cooler, which means that I'll get more life out of it. And also I don't need to load this up with a lot of RAM, although I still think it was a missed opportunity. I should have put 64 gigabytes of RAM in it because it is a Commodore 64 imposter looking computer. Yeah, it's got 32. It's good. It does run cooler. I've actually seen this on other computers and people, you know, bring a computer and actually have me install Linux on them. I'll install Linux and like, wow, the fans don't run as much. And I know that there's some issues about like cooling profiles and such not being as well done as maybe they are in, in Windows or whatever. It's not as well tuned. You spend a little time, you know, use TLP and you can tune those things out. And you really can give a better life to new hardware as well. I do appreciate Linux and I'm thankful that Linux allows me to get the best out of my machines. Is this one of those situations that if hardware could talk, my brand new CPU here two years ago, because yeah, I've almost had it for two years as well, would tell me, oh, thank you so much for putting me in a Linux system. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to work as hard. Linux is definitely perfect for new hardware too. We've talked about that on a regular basis. You don't have to use Linux just for old hardware. Now, granted, my current system will be two years old come this spring, so it's not quite there. Wouldn't be new, new anymore. And the GPU in it, of course, isn't new, which for most people, that's hard to find these days. Anyway, to get your hands on a new GPU, but there is a Linux designed around having the latest and greatest hardware. It doesn't have to just be for old hardware and giving new hardware, a better life. I love the sound of that. Whether that is building a system where you intend to install Linux on it or buying a laptop where you know you're going to automatically nuke and pave it to run a Linux distro on it. There are versions out there that'll just start up, run, run great with that brand new hardware. And you know that not only do you have the latest and greatest hardware, it's also running the most privacy-focused software out there. That is absolutely true. And the privacy thing is huge for me because I don't really want my computer, my desktop to be spying on me. I want it to be working for me, not also working for somebody else. I don't need a double agent in my house. I get it. Some applications might be sending telemetry. That's okay as long as I hop into it. Having that privacy focus on my desktop, not sending out all kinds of garbage to people who have no business and knowing is very important to me. It saves wear and tear on my network, I suppose, then too. Absolutely. And in this season of giving, there's always a Steam sale happening. I stumbled upon this site, and I don't know how many people are actually aware of this. It's the first I've heard of it, but it's called steamdb.info and slash sales. We'll take you to all the current Steam sales going on right now. If you're to click on that link right there in the uh, show notes, it'll report all current sales going on as soon as ending tomorrow or in a few minutes or whatever. There are also sales that are hours away or days away. And it's pretty cool to see. So if you want to check out and see what games are on sale and at what percent, you can sort it by price. You can sort it by rating, when it ends, and also the percentages as well. So if you want to get a game that you know is a good 90% off, which it's probably not a very good game, but nonetheless, you can search that and see what's for sale, or you can just sort by price and see if something there is in your budget. You could even, for your friends or family that are into gaming, you could probably even gift one of these games through Steam to them if they're a Steam-powered player as well. I had never seen this website until you brought it up, and this is a really great way to find games on sale. I'm definitely a bargain shopper when it comes to games, though we all know at this point I probably really don't 
need to buy anymore because I have this massive backlog of games I haven't got to play yet. Yeah, and that includes all of the ones that I bought not too long ago. I guess I did play Leaves for just a few minutes and then something came up and I had to (laughs) shut that game down and go do something. So I really don't need to be buying games. Thank you for being the enabler as Matt is gone. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, whoops, slipped. (laughs) Matt, I took your role. I apologize. Oh, yeah. One of the cool things about this website that I'm noticing is its new historical low. If this is the lowest this game or any game has ever been sold for, it's letting you know that. It's also showing you, yeah, this game is on sale, but we've seen it way lower in price. If it's not something you necessarily want now, you're just watching for it to get to a particular price point before you buy it, this is a really great way to see where it's at, where it has been, and where it could be. This is really cool. Not like we needed to spend any more money on games around this house, but <laughs> I guess I'll do some looking. Fine. You talked me into it. Ow, ow, ow. You twist my arm. But this is a gift for everyone in the community. All the listeners here as well that can uh, check that out. You know, maybe they forgot to put a game on their wish list. They didn't get the notification by Steam that it's on sale. So they can do some searching, see if something is there or just browse. I mean, I had no idea how many games were out there. I guess I'm flabbergasted, befuddled even by the number of games that are available out there to download in Steam. It's amazing. There are. There are so many and so many different genres that if you do have a gamer on your list, This is a really fun way to get some of those games for them that they might have been looking for. Or you can tell them, hey, here's a gift card or some money in this game you want. It's going to be going on sale this day. Here's the funds to pick it up then. Oh, for sure. Yeah, actually, that makes the whole Steam gift card probably one of the coolest gifts that you could get at this point. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the passive manager we use and trust. It's the easiest safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a serious jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Wendy, in this season of giving, I've noticed that you've been giving yourself some time with DOSBox. That I have. After we talked last week, I immediately went to work installing DOSBox and playing with it on the systems. I have now a picture of my youngest child sitting at my main system. This is a two-monitor system with two 32-inch monitors connected to it. It has an RX 3900X 
with 32 gigs of RAM, an RX 580, and he's playing Oregon Trail. That's awesome. From 1992. <laughs> it absolutely cracked me up. Now, most of the systems in this house are currently running DOSBox. I installed Oregon Trail, the original Doom, and SimAnt. I was struggling with Cement. Maybe I just need to spend some more time playing it. I didn't play it as a kid. It wasn't a game that I was aware of. But after hearing you talked about it, I did install that one because I was editing the show last night. My husband wasn't able to sit down at the main system and play any games. And so he's like, okay, show me how to use this DOS box thing that you have installed. I fired up Doom for him. So he was playing Doom on the kitchen system <laughs> while making some dinner for the kids last night. It is now everywhere. Nice. Thanks so much for sharing <laughs> and sharing that on your website with that additional information. Made it super, super easy to get up and running. Then on top of it all, I had some great community feedback about Fairmail. Hope I'm saying this correctly, the name, and if not, I'm sorry. You can tell me how to say it somewhere else. Harsha dropped an email to us and said, Hey there, on DLN Extend 86, Wendy mentioned that while she loves Fairmail, her complaint is that this persistent notification on the status bar. She'll be happy to know that Fairmail supports notification channels on Android, which allows you to disable category-specific notifications. And those categories are set by the app developer. If you check the notification settings for Fairmail in your Android system settings, not the Fairmail app settings, you can uncheck the receive notification channel and the persistent notification will go away, but you will still get all incoming message notifications. You can read about this solution directly from the developer's GitHub. Hope this helps. It absolutely helped a ton. I went in, followed what it told me to do in the GitHub and turned off that persistent notification. I absolutely love it even more now. That was the only nagging issue that I had was this persistent notification. I took screenshots of the settings and what my home screen looks with it on and with it off. I will be sharing those. And once you see how I have my home screen set up, because it is very, very plain, very, very boring, I guess you could say. I do not like clutter on my device home screen both on any of my computers, tablets, or phones. You'll see why it was kind of bugging me to have that persistent notification there. It's gone. Thank you so much for this feedback. I appreciate it. And now I'm letting everybody else know that you can turn this off. Makes the app that much better. I think we have the greatest listeners because, you know, they're helpful, they're engaged, and they help us through our trolls. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't got into the Christmas spirit, the holiday spirit, as much as I'd like to yet this year. Normally, you have an amazing light display, and we've seen everything about it, but this is a new house. How is that light display going for the season? Well, it is now up and blinking away like it should, but it's not up in its entirety. Uh, I'm having to retool a lot of my things from the old house to the new house. And also, the actual appearance of the house is quite a bit different. I lived in a California bungalow before. This is more of a farmhouse style with a enclosed front porch, which is my home education room, which it's a great location for. It's got a chalkboard and it's really nice. Anyway, problem is it doesn't have the same kind of look about it. My other house had a really nice face to it. This one is okay. It's just 
It's a lot more, I don't know, plain, ordinary. Not bad, but just not as good, if that makes any sense. Now, this house is better in every measurable sense than my old house, but just the uh, aesthetic appearance of the outside is not as, I don't like it as much. That said, I've been having a hard time getting a picture in my head of how I'm going to set things up. I spent a lot of time yesterday moving bits and pieces of the ground stuff around. I didn't really like it. I'm a little bit fickle. So I'm going to put on my snowflakes on the house today, but I have to modify pieces so that I can integrate slightly differently into the seam. Also, the two matrices I had on either side of my door in my old house, I can't use those on this house. I've tried numerous things like where to put it and it just doesn't look good. It just looks like it's slapped down there. It just doesn't look right, if that makes any sense. I've been having a hard time with that vision of the setup. I think I'm just about there now and I've been having to do a lot of soldering. I just finished soldering today an extension cord and what I'm going to put around the two front windows. I'm not going to worry about the side windows this year. The time is limited and I don't want to be spending all my time outside as opposed to just having more fun enjoying the holiday times with like friends and family and so forth. So uh, as crazy as I am uh, walking around with one of those red Santa hats on as I'm working on my property, putting up lights, I do want to finish that up in the next few days so I can actually go ahead and, and synchronize the lights to music. I'll probably recycle at least one of them from last year. I have to rebuild the house within X-Lights, which is a free and open source software, back to the season of giving. So it's gonna be a little complicated to do. I decided I'm gonna put it in 3D as opposed to 2D how I set it up. I don't have to, but I'm going to. And I have to count all the lights yet on every side of the house. I can't have one pixel out of place, quite literally. That makes it not right. A lot of work to do there yet as well. But I'll get there and it'll be done. All the little other infrastructural things like making sure there's no voltage drops in the strings of lights. I got that all worked out yesterday as well. If you looked at, well, from last night to the night before, it looks like I did nothing, but actually I spent a lot of time making sure that things would be more stable. The new system that I built to control the lights is way better. It's a lot more flexible and allows more consistent power usage instead of routing everything through the board itself, which I burnt one of those up last year too. Oops. Yeah, all right. I'm actually routing it all through a 12-volt rail. Each power supply, I might be able to put them in parallel, but I'm not sure if that's going to cause something to blow up. So I'm just keeping them separate until I know for sure that they're safe to put in parallel. So I have those divided up in their own sections, but they have a common ground. And so far, it's working great. I haven't had any problems. It's also battery backed up along with my server. If the power goes out, most of my lights will stay on. Sounds like another fun project for this year. I love the light shows that you've done in the past. I can't wait to see what this one is going to look like. You spent a lot of time. You had years to develop the previous one. It's going to take a few years, a few Christmases to get this one just where you want it. But it sounds like you've got a pretty good start. Yeah, I got a pretty good start. I'm happy with where I'm at right now. I'll get the rest of the difficult to install lights on today. Finally got an extension ladder and go do that. Have the entire house lit up. But those lights will stand all year round. So I got a whole year to think about how I'm going to make things better for 2022. Awesome sauce. We'd like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, in Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels and all of our shows and creators at destinationlinux.network. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting dlnextend.com contact. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store and grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag along with our other shows from across the network. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome sode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. 